Now, I suppose directly asking you about your imported venereal diseases from your overseas travel might be inappropriate. Slightly. Slightly inappropriate. It's going to try and find a clever way to hint at it. There also might be some listeners who would find that information vital. <laughs> listeners? Why is that plural, bro? For real. Let's analyze this. Think of like the amount of species that were brought over to this country that aren't naturally occurring over here. And then how many venereal diseases were also brought here? A lot of Indians died because of some VD, right? Well, that and blankets. You know, we gave them to them for warmth. Some of them apparently got a disease. Had chlamydia. Yeah, chlamydia blankets. (laughs) Those are the ones. That's what I'm talking about. For real, though, there was some venereal disease that crushed a lot of the local Native Americans, right? Yeah. This is the whole premise of War of the Worlds, too, right? Like the aliens come and... They take over and then they, they all had sex die. with the, all the humans. No, no, no sex is involved. Oh. They're just like, oh, we have no immunities to any of the bacterium and viruses and things like that. So then they died. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I didn't see the part where they had sex with the humans. Also, a spoiler alert, Spain is on the docket today. Mm-hmm. Spanish moss, bro. Did you run into any? Spanish and, moss? Yeah. Is that slang for weed? <laughs> no, but it should be. It's like one of those. Do they just call it moss there? Like in Canada, they just call their stupid ham bacon. bacon. Do they? Yes. Yes. And it's infuriating. I wonder why. What do they call American bacon? No one asked the other the American other part ham? of that question. Yeah, they're like, well, in Canada, do you just call it bacon? Well, what do you call real bacon? God's bacon. Like, I don't know. They call man. it American ham. Be stupid. Anyway, yeah, I'm going to talk about Spain today. Uh, I missed talking about a lot of my European adventures. I've only talked about Finland so far. And honestly, there was some more stuff I could have said about Finland. Did any of it involve a sauna? I, everyone knows I didn't sauna. Yeah, then would it have been worthwhile? That's a wasted trip to Finland. From now on, Good point. you didn't even go to Finland, dog. Good point. Did I talk about Fortress Island? Suomenlinda? You talked briefly about it. Okay, cool. Just just checking. But yeah, I got plenty of Finland stuff I could still talk about. Yeah, so part two of my Euro trip, Pete. Barcelona, Spain. Another place I'd never been. Another beautiful place I'd never been. Was the Olympic City still there? I don't know. Aw. Because I think it was like 92. Barcelona was 92, I'm pretty sure. And I'm sure that most of the infrastructure was built for the Olympics, but the city, either way, is gorgeous. I'm really really killing it with my questions that go nowhere so far. Yeah, sweet. So anyway, uh, I wrestled a handful of matches in Finland. Obviously, COVID killed the huge show I was going to do, but that's okay because next I had... Spain. And honestly, Pete, I didn't even get booked for a show in Spain. I got booked just to coach for a week in Spain at a wrestling school. I was searching around for places on my trip, as I do every time I'm going to Europe. I hit up five or ten new companies trying to reach out, trying to get gigs. In English? Or do you use Google Translate when you send stuff out? Because these are all foreign countries. Yeah, I always send stuff in English, hoping that the guy in charge knows at least a little bit of English. Because if I come in, I'm going to be teaching in English. So I really hope that works. If it doesn't, then I'm kind of screwed. You don't just have some little some little guy who runs around. You say something, you just stare at him. Well, he conveys it to the class and then looks back at you. You know, fun fact, a few weeks ago, I was over at Dylan Bostick's house and Rip Rogers was there. And Rip is a guy who helped train a bunch of the greats like John Cena, Randy Orton and all them. And Rip was doing, he had to go to Dylan's so Dylan could get him on FaceTime or Skype. So Rip could teach a seminar to some guys in Italy. And Rip, afterward, he asked him how it was. And he's like, it was great. He's like, the seminar was three hours and I got paid for a three hour seminar. 
but I only spoke for an hour and a half because I would have to speak and then a translator would translate it and have to say double what I said. He's like, so I only spoke for half the time. Oh, rip. Mm -hmm. Crafty vet. Yep. He knew how to make a buck. But I've never had a translator, Pete. People do ask me that all the time if I travel with a translator. And the answer is I've never traveled with a translator and no one's ever helped me translate. I just have to figure it out. So I reach out in English to Lucha Libre Barcelona. And Pete, they showed me some real respect right off the bat. They responded to me immediately. A fellow named Jeffrey responded was like, hey, I know exactly who you are. And you know what, Pete? I love hearing that. My ego loves to hear that. But it was a little bit surprising. Because I'm not as famous as this podcast would lead one to believe. People don't know that unless you tell them. People always assume, especially if you're on the internet, wow, this guy's something. And then with you, they go and see your tens of thousands of internet followers. Mm-hmm. Till now, they thought you were something. Yeah. So now the important part is, even if I, I'm more famous after this. Oh, so you weren't then, but you are now. Gotcha. I'm more famous now. So I reached out and he's like, hey, I know exactly who you are. He's like, I went to a Wrestle One training camp in Japan in early 2018, right after you left Japan. Pete, what it means is he went from Barcelona, Spain into Tokyo just in time to see me in all the wrestling magazines and to see me on TV and to see me on posters because I just main evented Currican Hall. You were on the cover of Young Boys Illustrated. Young Boys Illustrated. Oh, dang, what would, what would the subtitle be? Like Jake Omen? Um... Treats young boys right. Jake Oman, sexual predator. In Japanese, though. Sexual sexual predator, son. Ooh, I should get a sure made that says my name, says Jake Oman. And then in Japanese, I'll get sexual predator written. <laughs> and when people ask what it means, I'll say something else. And But someday, someone will see the, who reads Japanese will see it. When Hino comes to the beach, just throw one. Hey, man, what do you think? Hello, you can like, wear it, too. Oh, no good. Um, bad, bad English, maybe. <laughs> bad, maybe, maybe new shirt. Bad Japanese. Uh, Jake's on, you know? Uh, uh, sexual predator. No good. Hi. <laughs> and I'll be like, hi. And uh, so Jeffrey went into Russell One and into Japan right as I left. So it seemed like I was a huge deal because I just had the main event storyline in Kirk and Hall. He know and I did actually <laughs> against two other dudes, Doi and Kuma. So he responded back right away. It was like, Hey dude, I would, I would love to have you coach. I would love to have you wrestle. He's like, we have a show this day. If you can make it this day. And then we have a show in two weeks after that, if you want to have a show that day. So I was like, ah, shoot. Cause the shows he was going to have were, right before I was going to come to Spain and then right after I was going to leave Spain. And then he had a couple of sh a show on Halloween and the night before, but it wouldn't really fit into my schedule because I'd already planned for a week in Romania after this trip. So I agreed with him. I would just come in and coach. I would coach in Spain for a week. They would put me up and I could have a grand old time and I would even have to have a match. You were going to rip Rogers the hell out of him. Yeah, well, I mean, they're paying me for a lot of coaching. <laughs> So I was going to make my money. It wasn't just a one seminar thing. He did end up giving me the option of how many classes I wanted to teach. Because I asked him, hey man, how many training sessions do you do? I'm going to be here for these five days, yada, yada. And then he told me pretty much they train every day, Pete. They train almost every day, but Monday. And they usually do two sessions a day. They do their 
noon session and they do a i think a five o'clock session where's that gotten them who's the most famous spanish wrestler well none of these guys are really famous and they don't have a lot of famous guys in there there's a dude from madrid who's been making a big name for himself lately but even then there's not a lot of spanish wrestlers so yeah what what's with the two a days they just want to get good no 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 we all know you get good in the business by uh you know doing drugs and uh, really training how much training is there actually you play football and you do drugs like that's that's how you get signed they're, they're soccer players there it's different that's their problem yeah they're not built for this you, they need to start tapping into the rugby folks there you go that makes sense the wb has signed a few australian r- rugby players over the last few years it's some bullshit or whatever the lacrosse circuit is too tapped out they had to go rugby yeah rugby Uh, Yeah, and that's actually how I got this gig, because Jeffrey explained the wrestling scene in Spain is very new, and they don't have a lot of great teachers. They have to import all their teachers, and Jeffrey is doing his part to try and bring in foreigners to train all his guys to make them better, and then the things they learn from these guys, they just practice a lot because they do 10 to 12 training sessions every week, which to me is a little crazy. I've never had that kind of access to a ring to do it. If I had access to a ring like that, I might actually train that much. But, I mean, when I lived in Japan, we trained every day. But it's a lot different than what these guys have going on, because in Japan, you have great trainers. So he gave me the option of how many days I would want to train, how many sessions. So I ended up agreeing to train two sessions on two different days. I'd get into town on a Sunday night. I would chill out for Monday. And then I would train on Tuesday, and I would train on Wednesday. And he asked me how many sessions I would do. I was like, hey, man, I'll do both sessions. Like, I'll give you those four sessions. And that would leave me my Thursday free, my Friday free, and then I flew to Romania on Saturday. He's like, okay, great. And he was like super thankful that I was going to do that many sessions. I think he would have agreed to house me all week for just one or two sessions, actually. But I agreed to four because I wanted to give him something else, right? Also, he wanted to try and get it where different people would come because he said there were some guys that could come midday, some guys that could come at night, and then some guys that never missed a single session. Who are these midday people? Are they homeless? They don't work? They live in a van. What's the story? Actually, I, I don't know. I think it's great that so many kids could show up from 12 to 2 throughout the week. Like That's kind of crazy to me. Now, here in the States, I could totally have that schedule, but I feel like none of my students could make it happen. No one would show up. That would be the people who have like the part-time gigs or whatever. The work-life balance overseas is tremendous. I hear Spain is great for that. So is that like yeah. a siesta time? Are you Because they're given a midday break for a couple hours, aren't they, from work? Actually, I don't know that for sure in Spain. However, yeah, there are a lot of places in Europe. They do give you that midday break or you just kind of do your work whenever you feel like it. As long as you show up and do your work, they don't really care so much. I know it's like that in France. The Japanese culture is kind of, I don't know if America is adapting the Japanese deal or vice versa, but aren't they pretty much work 24 seven? Yeah. The Japanese are work or work, but also if you're a combat athlete or professional wrestler, That is your job. So to us, you have to work your ass off. But in Japan, if you're a professional wrestler, what they want you to do is they want you to wake up. They want you to eat. Then they want you to train. Then they want you to nap. Then they want you to eat. Then they want you to train. Then they want you to eat. Then they want you to sleep. And they pay you to do that because that kind of recovery actually is super important. If you're training for four or five hours a day, they want you to sleep a lot so your body recovers and you heal. So they, they pay you to work really hard and to eat really hearty and then to sleep and rest. So you work to death in a much different fashion where they actually need you to sleep and chill out. We'll pay you to stop what you're doing and go take a nap. How much? 
here, go. Yeah, it was never explicitly said. It's just what I understood because all the dudes would do it. You wake up, you eat, you train your ass off like to the point where we're all dying. Then you just go nap for an hour or two. Then you wake up and you do more of it. So the Spaniards doing two-a-days isn't unheard of. As far as training goes, it's just not common. It's like Japan and them, apparently. Yeah, something like that. And I don't know if the Spanish have an insane work ethic in that kind of way. They seem to enjoy life a little more, which is great. But I was like, yeah, sure, man. I'll do my midday train session, my afternoon one. And cool. And that's what we'll do. One of the things also Jeffrey had told me was, hey, man, I can book you a hotel. And I can pay for your hotel. Or if you want, you can just kind of stay with me and save some money. And I'll give you a couple extra bucks. So I was like, okay, man, well... If that's my choice, then dude, I'm just going to stay with you because, yeah, just give me a couple extra bucks. That means I can enjoy my trip a little more and don't have to worry about it. Plus, I'd rather stay with a local anyway because then they can show me all sorts of stuff. They can teach me a lot more. I can learn some of the language and the customs and all that. So I'd much rather do that anyway. It's one of the reasons I also love staying at hostels. You get more of a local experience than if you just stayed at a hotel and you were cooped up. So before I leave Finland, I sent Jeffrey a message. Hey, man, number one, are you picking me up at the airport? Or do I have to meet you somewhere? And if so, where do I meet you? And where am I staying? Because that's actually a question not a lot of people ask, Pete. And it's a question I have also traveled a lot and not asked. What's the assumption? That, oh, we'll catch up at some point? And like, well, well, where and how? Yes. The forgotten logistics, the where and the how part? Dude, every time I went to Japan, I would say, hey, I land this day. And they'd be like, okay. Never <laughs> did they meet me at the airport. Never did they pick me up. And then every time I showed up the building, they'd be like, oh, you're here. Yes. You knew I was coming today. I told you four times I was coming today. The last time I showed up, my bed, there wasn't even a bed for me yet. They just pointed me to the dorm and they're like, oh, this bed's free. Is the problem because you didn't say, I'll be here this day, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd be like, ah, oh, maybe. Okay. Maybe we meet you at the airport. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Either way. Yeah. And then when every time I went to Europe... My buddy Jesper meets me at the Copenhagen airport because he's my friend. And then he helps me get wherever I'm going because I stay in weird different places. Also, I talked to my buddy Jesper today. It was great catching up with him. I have to go back soon. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. When I say maybe in Danish. I don't know. I'm sure it comes out sounding like a pastry. Yeah, it sounds delicious. Everything there sounds delicious. Everything there is delicious. What does COVID sound like in Danish? Probably even, less delicious. I don't even want to try. So besides that, usually people do not meet me at the airport. I just figure out how to train or bus where I'm going. And usually I just go right to my hostel, which is in a downtown area. I put my stuff away and then I touch base with people. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to clarify. Like, hey, dude, uh, are you meeting me at the airport? Or do I need to meet you somewhere else? And where am I staying? Am I still staying with you? Because I decided like now I'm going to over clarify, Pete, because I've under clarified for years and just trying to kind of wing it, you know? So he's like, oh. Yes, uh, my house is undergoing reforms. Unfortunately, you can't stay with me. And then he asked me a question and it was like, you know, hotel okay or something. I responded back an hour later. I was like, hey, that's cool, man. I will, uh, I'll book myself a cheap hostel. No big deal. And then he also had said he'd meet me at the airport. So I was like, oh, no. And he's, then he responded back. Oh, no, it's okay. I, already, I went ahead and took care of it. I booked you a room. I'm like, ah, oh, shoot. Well, if you book me a hotel, it's probably not that cheap, right? Also means I'm getting paid less money now. I'd rather just have that money and stay at a hostel. You and hostels, man. I love them. You should make a coffee table book about the hostels you go to. Some of them are better than others, it sounds like. I wish I'd taken photos of every hostel I've ever stayed in, especially the bad ones, which only been one or two. And one is was condemned and shut down. 
the number eight of the White Horse in London no longer exists. It was a crack house. Lots of drugs. Lots of drugs can be cool, I'm told. There were hookers outside my window. This sounds more and more like DeBaz's apartment. So I went to Eastern Europe on this trip for the first time in my life. But it wasn't the first time I'd seen Eastern European hookers. That was when I was in London at the number eight of the White Horse Hostel. That's the first time I saw Eastern European hookers. I think that's where the Deftones album comes from. Do they have an album called Eastern European Hookers? No, White Horse, I think. Oh. Well, there's at least an album White called Pony. White, White Pony. Yes, yeah. thank you. That would have been great. Dude, if I ever come across a hostel called White Pony, that's where I'm staying. Also, my next album is called Eastern European Hookers. Thanks. But I booked you a hotel room. I was like, oh, shit. I wish I had had a hostel, but okay, that's fine. I guess I'd make a little less money, but it'd probably be a nice room. So I show up. I am uh, send him a message when I get to the airport. And I'm waiting for a while. And then I felt bad because I realized Jeffrey doesn't have a car. He is taking buses and stuff to meet me, which I kind of feel bad about. How do you know he doesn't have a car? Uh, like he said he was catching buses and whatever. And if he was driving a car, he would have been like, hey, just meet me here while I can pick you up. He didn't do that. <laughs> this is a very American thing, isn't it? Cars? Well, yeah. Yes. You just assume everyone has some mode of transportation or access to a mode of transportation other than buses, trains, that kind of thing. Which, hey, public transportation, so much better, so much more efficient. I'm not going to lie. But there is something really comforting about being picked up and put into a car. It makes you just feel at home right away. <laughs> he shows up by bus. He's like, oh, it's okay. Hey, we're waiting on someone. A second, one of my students has a car and he's going to pick both of us up. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm like, oh man, now I feel even worse. I bust here so that somebody could pick us both up and take yeah. us back. I felt kind of bad about that, man. I also, because I was like, in my head, I'm like, could have just found my way to the hotel. No, Spanish logistics apparently is the best. But hey, I love the, um, what's the word, the politeness he's showing me. The, um, not generosity, but it is generosity. Well, not hospitality. There you go, hospitality. Yeah, that works. So Jeffrey picks me up. We walk around to the other side of the airport where he's calling one of his students who's on the way. This little car pulls up a minute later. I jump in. I'm trying to talk to the driver a little bit. Then I realize he doesn't speak any English. So he drives me and Jeffrey to our to my hotel. What if you would have big leaked him the whole time? Just be like, act all pissed off, everything else. And like, you are a really big star. Would that have made Jeffrey's experience better or worse, you think? Good question. Probably not. It probably wouldn't have been the first time he picked up a jerk. Dude, all the promoters I deal with when I'm a nice guy, you can tell they're so thankful because they've dealt with so many jerks. That's terrible. I hate that. Or do they feel like they can pay you less now? Like, oh, this guy gets it. He knows my pain. I'm going to stiff him. Hasn't happened yet, but it could happen, yes. Be like, hey, I just don't have the money. That's sleazy promoter school, class number three. The itinerary is being built. Yeah, be like, sorry, man, I just didn't have the money. So, but he, I think he already paid me for my flight. And he'd already booked the hotel. So anyway, he takes me to the hotel. And it's the Hotel Antibes, which is also a French hotel in Barcelona. Fun fact, Barcelona is actually kind of half Spanish, kind of half French, because it's so close to France. So many French people come to Barcelona on vacation because it's actually a quite short trip. So if you can speak French, you can actually get by in Barcelona. Is this like that summer camp nonsense in Japan or whatever? Not different. Those people don't speak another language. But they all have mini vacation spots that they go yeah, to. Yeah, they have mini vacation spots. Like they'll go to Tokyo, Germantown, but they'll continue to speak Japanese. Or like the English have English holiday camps, but they continue to speak English. But the French can go here. They just they speak French. And they stay at the Hotel Antibes because it's a French hotel in Barcelona, which is kind of cool. 
Do they have croissant in the morning? Croissant? I, I don't know because it was an extra like 12 bucks a day for breakfast and I wasn't paying that. $12 American? No, yeah. Not when I was right around the corner from an Aldi. Well, then why do we call breakfast at American Hotels Continental Breakfast? If off of this continent, people don't do that. Yeah, it's not free. Sometimes hostels give you a continental breakfast. Do they call it a continental breakfast? No, they don't. They just say free breakfast. It's one of the things on Hostel World you can click that you want as a requirement at a hostel. <laughs> Boom, free breakfast. It's more places than just here, but why don't why don't everywhere just do it? Because you're paying an exorbitant amount for a mm-hmm. place to sleep. Yeah. Why not? And that's also why I like to stay at a cheap hostel. And I'll even pay a couple bucks more for the hostel if it includes free food. Because if it's an extra five bucks a night, that's worth it for five or ten dollars worth of food. And I don't have to go out and get it, which is when you're traveling is all the difference. Free food mean like all meals. There's just always kind of food out for your consumption. Not nah, only breakfast. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Except for when I was in Budapest, they didn't do free breakfast. They did free dinner. That's a much better deal. Yeah. Although every night it was just, they would give you a bowl and it would end up having some mashed up concoction in it. It was mostly mushrooms. So it wasn't very filling. I mean, it was more filling, but it wasn't a lot of protein. It wasn't a great dinner, but they did family style dinner every night. And it it was cool because it brought everyone in the hostel together for an hour. And then from there, you made all these friends. And then like 20 people would break into three or four groups and go to different places and hang out all night. Go to a different place and get something of substance to eat. Actually, yes, that's exactly what happened. I made friends with a a group of people one night, and then we just went to this Hungarian bar and got goulash pizza. And then there was a real issue where four of us ordered the thing together. They brought us one check, and they couldn't split the check. So we were all trying to figure out on the receipt what we all ordered and how to split it. And then some of us had a lot of Hungarian cash, and some of us didn't have Hungarian cash. I still don't know if we paid for the whole meal or not. The people got so pissed. And I don't know if we paid for the whole meal or not. They were also really bad customer service. The restaurant tours were were pissed or the restaurant owners. I guess you guys were the restaurant tours. So whoever owned the establishment was pissed and just wanted you out. Something like that. Like there's shitty. Like if say it came out to like 45 bucks and I feel like together we ended up having like 41 bucks and we were trying to split it and then they took it. But then they didn't say, hey, you still owe us four bucks. But I feel like we did. And you don't have to tip there. So that wasn't part of the issue. It was really confusing. They should have just brought us four bills. Yeah. They didn't. Is this a customs thing? I don't know. We asked for four bills. Whatever. Stupid. Yeah. The goulash pizza was great, though. It was a really good recommendation. Whoever recommended from the hostel that we go to this bar, that was a good recommendation. The white pony gulag. Speaking to the gulag, I'll get into talking about Eastern Russia or Eastern Europe later. So anyway, uh, he takes me to the hotel NT base, right? And then he pulls out his wad of cash and he pays for my like four or five nights up front. And I'm like, oh, all right, man, that's cool. Pay up front for these things? Yeah, he did. I, I don't know if you have to, but he did. And that was really cool. And they, they give me my room key and everything. And I go up on the seventh floor. And then he, uh, I was like, dude, I didn't know if he was going to take the bus home or whatever, because his student dropped us off and drove away. So I felt kind of bad about that. And I was like, I want to be like, Jeffrey, where are you going, man? I ended up finding out later he lived not very far away. Walking distance. He's like, oh, yeah, this is where I put up all the boys when they come into town. And it's a really nice place. And he's like, it's reasonably priced. It's where I put up all the boys. Had he put up none people before and he was just trying to show off? He could have been. He really could have been. And also, one of the things he, he I really respected that he said was, you know, I want to make a good first impression. It's like, on everyone that comes in, I want to make a good first impression. He's like, I want you to stay in a nice place and I want you to have a nice first day experience so you have a good first impression. And I really respected that. Like, that goes a long ways. So you open the door to your room and there were women's and booze. 
at your disposal. Dude, speaking of there being everything a guy could need, that's when I get to Romania next week, right when I walk in the door. So I'm not going to say there were senoritas or no senoritas in my apartment or my hotel room, floor seven. I'm not going to say there weren't. So I went to my room. It was like 7-Eleven or 7-14. I think it was 7-14. And it was awesome, dude. I walked right in. Such a nice hotel room. I'll put up pictures of it. I actually think I put up pictures up online when I was there. But yeah, the hotel and T-Base. Beautiful. And I had a beautiful view of the city. I wasn't, it wasn't like I got to see the biggest touristy places from my hotel room or anything, but I could see La Sagrada Familia, which is the most visited thing in Spain, a little bit from my hotel room. So I throw all my stuff in and it's about 9 p.m. at night on a Sunday. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to walk around. He was explaining to me just like four or five blocks away. I go this direction, this direction. He was saying where our training building was. And then he told me where La Sagrada Familia was, um, which is just this, I don't even know how to explain it. It's this ornate structure. It's this beautiful building, right? It's obviously a huge Catholic destination. So he's like, yep, you just go this direction. You can find those things at 10 minute walk. I go out and I see La Sagrada Familia. And then I type in my GPS, how to get to the training building. It's legit like a block and a half down the road. And then I wondered, man, how do they afford this building in a historic part of Barcelona? It's right off the street. Is all of Barcelona historic? Pretty much. I mean, isn't that the deal too? Like, you go to a lot of other countries that have been around for a while, and it's like, man, this looks great. And they're like, nah, this is old and crappy. It's been around since the 1600s, so it's cheap. Probably do. They honestly, probably do. I would just feel like if it's next to a monument that millions of people go to every year, that it would have to be expensive real estate. He ended up telling me later that he got a decent deal on it for the first year from the landlord. But if he wanted to stay another year, it was pretty much going to double in price. Was his landlord Comcast? Yeah, I have no idea. The Spectrum. But he only had another month or two there before he had to figure something out, whether he was going to move his training building or if he was going to try and stay there. Um, he, but, was, uh, he was going to try and then he had to put you in a hotel. Now he can't afford it. Yeah, he can't. I did feel bad. <laughs> he probably spent 300 bucks for me to stay in the hotel. Cause I ended up looking up later and I think it was 55 bucks a night or 60 bucks a night. I was like, well, he probably got a deal for multiple nights. So maybe he got a price break. I don't know. Either way, I could have stayed in a hostel for $20 a night. Is that all hostels cost? Usually at 20 to 30 bucks, depending on where that is. You probably don't get a private room though, right? No, never. No, you're in a dorm with eight other people, maybe 15, maybe four. But, and in Barcelona, they were a little more expensive. They would have been like probably 30 bucks a night. But then wherever you go, sometimes like if the next week in Romania, if I'd say the hostel had been like 12 bucks a night, like nothing. And I think it came with breakfast, probably cabbage stew. Well, that's a story for a later day. Copious amounts of cabbage stew. Yeah. Boom. Pete, I'm just uh, rocking out in Barcelona. I walked down to the Sagrada Familia. I walked down to the training hall and I was trying to find stuff that was open at night. There were some grocery stores open late, but the only other place that I like was like, well, that's obviously open was a Burger King. The fun fact I will say about Burger King, Burger King in Barcelona, you want to know what almost everything had in it? Some form of chili? No, no, no. Good guess, though. Nutella. On a protein-based sandwich, there was Nutella? I'm pretty sure there was Nutella on at least one burger. But then every like every dessert, every other thing had a Nutella option. And it didn't say like peanut butter or anything like that. It was Nutella. It was just straight up Nutella. Did you order something with Nutella in it? Absolutely, I did. Yeah, yeah, I got a ice cream gimmick with Nutella because I was like, well, I'm 
it'd be stupid not to get it. Does everyone kind of also feel that like hazelnut flavoring in general isn't great, but Nutella, which is hazelnut based, is fantastic? Because you know what Nutella is? It's 85% sugar. It's straight sugar. But there's some hazelnut in it. Yeah, less than 15%. Because the first time I looked at Nutella, because I thought, oh, it's a peanut butter-like consistency, right? Like it's a hazelnut cream. I looked at it. Bro, there's more sugar than you should have in a week in one tablespoon of Nutella. You're ruining dreams now. I'm sorry, I lied. That was a lie. That statistic was false. Because people put Nutella on whatever their breakfast carb is, their Mm -hmm. bagel, their bread, or whatever, because peanut butter is the same kind of thing. Oh, a lot of protein, sure, some sugar, some fat, but Nutella just blows that out of the water. Straight up the worst breakfast thing you could have. (laughs) Straight up. It's terrible to start your day with 31 sugars. At least peanut butter only has a few carbs in it. Yeah, and I mean a lot of fat. And a lot of sugar, but yeah, not but Nutella. Slightly healthier fat. Gotta be. It can be okay. Like I can make a keto bread peanut butter sandwich and make it kind of healthy in the morning. Nutella, terrible for you. Wrestlers, you know, the uh, the real kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They drink honey before a match. Do you think perhaps a spoonful of Nutella may be the way to go? Before a match, probably. Yeah. Or before a lift. That's probably a good idea. That kind of simple sugar. Yeah, it's probably not a bad idea. Throw it in your gym bag. Just start breaking it out. See how many other people will follow suit. Dude, you know how many people I could convince to do that? Probably a lot. It'd be funny. Yeah. Crack an egg in it with some Nutella. Just down it. I'll do that. You, you don't underestimate the amount of stuff I'll do in a locker room that comes off as weird to try and get greenhorns to do it. I bet you Russ Jones signs right up, right next to you. Bro, you got an extra egg and a spoon real quick? Let me let me get some of that. But Russ Jones, bro, this is awesome. Try that shit. Throw a few bubs in there and I believe it. Yeah. Let me try that, bub. Hell yeah, bro. Simple carbs, bro. Sorry, you have to censor most of the stuff Russ Jones says, Pete. Extra work for you. My apologies. Yeah, so that's uh, the first little little bit of my trip to Spain. I'll, I'll finish that next week. But I should probably take a moment to talk about our, uh, our unofficial sponsor for the day. At Dark Side Coffee Roasters. I don't know if that's their handle. I'll, I will try my best Jake impression if it's not. And I'll just speak over you. It actually on the cup says darksideroasters.com. Yeah, and they're not the most interactive. When they were brand new, I showed up and I took a photo. I'm not going to say it was the greatest thing ever, but you look at their IG and that kind of thing, I'm like, oh, yeah, their stuff's kind of lame. You know what? I'll snap a photo or two so they Mm -hmm. have something. They didn't use it. Really? Yeah. Why wouldn't they? I mean, I don't understand that with a lot. And it sounds very, uh, I don't know, very self-absorbed and whatever else. It's like, nah, but something that doesn't look like garbage, why wouldn't you retweet or tag or you know whatever because mm-hmm. it's it doesn't look like garbage and it shows people were there yeah you totally have to repost that stuff yeah you repost it you give that person credit it helps everyone well and even you get a lot of fan art and things like i think it's very nice you share it it doesn't even have to be the most amazing piece of no. art but hey a fan made it it's not vulgar it doesn't look like garbage you know whatever hey Appreciate you doing that. Mm-hmm. And then they love you forever. Did you see the most recent piece of fan art I put up? Yeah. The insanely amazing one? Mm-hmm. D- did I talk about that on the show? I don't think you've talked about that one. Okay. At OVW, when you walk into the Davis Arena, there's a there are a bunch of drawings up on the walls of all these famous people. And some not so famous people. But there's like Brock Lesnar, John Cena, all those guys. <laughs> the non-famous people. Re- you. Yeah. Really great artwork. It's incredible. And one night... After the show, I was talking to this couple and afterwards someone was like, oh, I, hey, I saw you talking to this guy named Joe. And I was like, oh yeah, they seem cool. 
Like, yeah, he's the one that draws all those photos. If he likes you, he'll probably draw you a poster. It's like, oh, that's cool. Well, Joe's, I I think it's his wife, loves me. Like, she's a huge fan of mine. Intimately? Yeah, of course. And they're they're, they're older, probably like 60. And I guess she was like, hey, can you draw Jake Oman? A week or two later, he drew a poster of me. It's more lifelike than real me. It looks more real than me. It's like how camera quality now went from, what was it like HD to 4K to like, was it 5K now? Oh, you can go 8K, bro. 8K, where now the the picture looks better than real life. It's coming at you. This dude's artwork was incredible. I put it up on my Instagram recently, at Jacob in 2012. Look it up. And someone else was like, you can tell he really likes you and he put effort behind it because he also drew a really crazy background. In the background, it looks like Armageddon because I'm the end of the world. And dude, so awesome. I'm so flattered. That is a unique thing about you as well. Jake likes uh, a lot of clarity, a lot of texture. He likes grit. Uh, Not a lot of people do that. I spend most of my time taking out texture in photos because people are like, "Eh, I don't know. This makes me look kind of old or whatever. I swear it's like, dude, crank all that up for Jake Oman. He wants his shit looking edgy. Do, do I? I guess yes. I didn't think about that too much. 100%. Clarity and texture. You want it to look ultra real, ultra texture, everything else. Most people want it pulled back. Hmm. You're the opposite. I look good. Why would I take away how good I look? I'm not hating. Jake doesn't like effects either. Don't add anything in. Yeah. Just Jake. And I'll always, I'll always tag all these people. That was Joe Slack. He made that for me. That's awesome. All right. Well. Uh, thank you guys uh, for uh, sticking with us. This is two weeks in a row, Pete. We're doing pretty well. It's true. And it's the same normal nonsense. Yep. You were talking about Spain. We made it all the way to the hotel room. None of the actual meat A lot meat of stuff happened. We set, I set the, the, um, set the table, I set, set the, the stage. <laughs> yeah. I set the stage for Spain. And I talked about how I got there. The story of how I got there is just as exciting as the story of what I did there. Tune in, find out, I guess. At Multimedia Hustle is Pete. At Jacob 2012 is me. At Off the Cliff Pot is us. Tag us, share us, all that stuff. Also, I've been posting a lot of insane stuff on social media. Share all of that stuff. Pro Wrestling is dead. That's gotten me a lot of uh, a lot of traction recently, man. Pro Wrestling is dead. Ominous. Or ominous, if you will. Ominous. All right. See you guys next week.